Hey, this is Emma Caitlin Berry, and on this episode of Triathlete Live, we chat with Lucy Charles Barkley. Lucy is a three-time Kona runner-up, an Ironman champion, and a stellar swimmer. Now, this was a live show with questions coming in from our Facebook audience, and it was popular. We covered a lot. Lucy talked to us about some of her go-to workouts and the rather unusual way in which she spent lockdown in the UK. She also looked ahead, talking about some of her Olympic goals. And on more than one occasion, her puppy Lola stole the show. Be sure to check out Triathlete's social pages for news and announcements for our next Triathlete Live. Okay, here's our chat with Lucy. Hello and welcome to Triathlete Live. My name is Emma-Kate Lidberry, your host and managing editor here at Triathlete Magazine. On today's show, we are joined by the lovely Lucy Charles Barkley. She is over in London, England, and uh, she's just hopped on a call for us after a busy, a busy day of training, right, Lucy? Yeah, really well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I've just literally biked back from the lake to be here. So, uh, yeah, it's been a pretty busy day of training, but all good. Bike back from the lake. Nice. So you're in, you're in London, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm living kind of right on the edge of London. Um, it kind of borders with Essex. So I live where it's not too busy. It can be busy, but it's not like being in the middle of London. So it's quite a nice balance. Very cool. Good for training and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know Lucy, if you've been under a rock for the last few years, uh, she is a superstar on the Ironman scene. She's been the Kona runner up for the last three years, uh, a very eventful race last, last year in Kona. She's an Ironman champion. She's a 70.3 champion. Uh, she's also part fish, part, part woman. <laughs> she's your uh, first out of the water at pretty much every race and usually beat half the men's field. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of swimming questions for you coming up in the show. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Lucy's going to be here for the next hour. Uh, it's a live Q&A, so don't be shy. People at home watching, uh, ping us your questions. We'll do our best to get them all answered by Lucy. But yeah, she knows a thing or two about training, racing, all the things triathlon. So, okay, Lucy, we'll kick off with a question that came in from Insta. How did you become a pro athlete? Uh, yeah, so for those who don't know, I started out as a swimmer before I came into triathlon. So I swam from about the age of eight until I was 19 and got really close to making the home games in London, the Olympic Games. Um, And after missing out on the London Olympics, I decided to give up sport altogether. Um, And I actually went and worked at a zoo um, and did the marketing for a local zoo because I do love animals. So I kind of went down that route. And then after working there, um, probably only a couple of months, I just missed sport so much that I signed up for an Ironman with my now husband, Reese, who's also my coach. Um, and we went on this crazy journey just to have a bit of fun, trying to do an Ironman distance with really little knowledge about triathlon or even the distances of an Ironman. Um, yep. And then after probably only a couple of years, we, we did our first Ironman in 2014, um, and then got pretty serious in 2015 as age groupers. I managed to win my age group at Kona and the 70.3 Worlds. And then after doing that, I was like, I'm not really sure what there is left to do as an age grouper. I want to try and go pro. So in 2016, I applied for my pro license and went pro. I'm really sorry. I've just got to let my husband Reese in, who's just got back from the <laughs> Just a short interruption. <laughs> we are we are live. This is part of the uh, fun of live broadcasting. So, are we going to get a cameo appearance from Lola too? Lola has been running around like crazy. I don't know if you can see her. She's waiting at the door. 
So I'll just let him in. Just say hello. Hello. You're live. Hello. Welcome back. Hey, Reese. <laughs> yeah. So, so okay. okay, this is a good question then. This is a good second question for you, Lucy. What's it like to be coached by your husband? Yeah, you know what? Um, we actually met as swimmers. So Reese was always kind of the person who I looked up to, would ask questions. Um, he was doing his sports science degree at the time. So he was super into applying what he was learning to his swim training. So he would always say, oh, I think you should try this and maybe give this a go with your training. And it always seemed to work. So he's always kind of been that coaching figure for me. Um, and then when we came into triathlon, it just seemed like the natural step for him to take on our coaching role within triathlon as well. Very cool. And so you obviously got a good experience of like what it's like, or you've had a good journey from, you know, like you started out as an age grouper, you know what it's like to progress in, through the sport. So what's your advice to those who are just starting out? Uh, I mean, obviously it's a difficult time to be starting out in triathlon, but yeah, what's your, what's your advice for those starting out? Yeah, I think the key thing with starting out in triathlon is, I guess, for most people, they may have come in from one of the sports. Um, so you may have a good background from one of the three sports. And it can be super easy to kind of just focus on the one that you're good at, but you should definitely dedicate time to your weaker sports. So for most, that's probably the swim. So if you can get in and swim more and dedicate the time there, then I really think that that will help you. Um, but the key thing I've always done as well is obviously there's a lot of training required to do triathlon. And the more you can mix it up, make things fun, get your friends involved, do group rides, group swims, group runs, it just makes it so much more fun. And triathlon is definitely a big community sport. So the more you can not feel like you're doing the training on your own, the better you're going to do. So we always sure. would have run with a group. And I often find as well that if you can find athletes that are just that bit better than you and train with them, it will always boost you on and, and help push you on that bit further. How does that happen for you? <laughs> you have to train with a bunch <laughs> of guys. Yeah, I pretty much train obviously with my husband, Reese, who I'm constantly chasing and he's constantly trying to stay in front of me. So um, most of the time, most of my training partners um, are male athletes, but there's often some super strong female riders who I'll go and ride with or, at my running club there's some really elite runners so I can run with the female runners and hang on to them for as long as I can so yeah as long as you can just find those athletes that are slightly better than you it, it does work really well so one question that we've had come in from Facebook do you go out to destroy everybody in the water or does it just happen naturally <laughs> I think um probably to begin with in my triathlon career that was the only thing that I thought I was good at so I was like right well I have to make my mark in the swim and then spend the rest of the day getting overtaken. So um, I don't kind of do it on purpose anymore. I just try and do my own race and know that obviously if I can get an advantage there, I may as well use it um, and get right. some time with the other girls. And it is fun trying to catch up the male pros as well. So uh, that has its <laughs> advantages and it definitely gives me a bit of a boost. Yeah, because you do have a good rivalry with the likes of Camworth, Joe Skipper. Those, in fact, Joe sent us a question. I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, his question was, "How do you manage to live with Reese Barkley?" Well, <laughs> comes in halfway through, knows I've got a live interview, and doesn't have a key to get in their house. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Joe Skipper, if you're watching. Um, 
So let's talk swimming. What is your go-to swim session that you find most beneficial? You've obviously got a huge swim engine, swim background, but what's your go-to session that you, when you tick it off, you feel like, oh yeah, I've just achieved, you know, I've just made some gains there. Yeah, so for the 70.3 distance, my kind of go-to test set is 10 200s. And then when I'm progressing that up to the Ironman distance, I'll do 10 400s. So um, they're kind of the two sets that I, know what kind of times I should be hitting. I'm doing it off a short rest interval. And I I think I like them because I tend to do well at that kind of session. So I can build my effort through the, the 10 reps and get better towards the end. So they're my kind of go-to sessions. And amaze us. What, I'm just, and I'm just fascinated. What sort of times do you swim in for 200? This is 200 meters, obviously, in the UK, right? 200 meters, yeah, so 400 meters. Um, in the short course pool is probably around two fifteens, um, and then four hundreds is about four thirties, um, sometimes up to sort of four um, thirty-five. But I tend to I I was always a swimmer that actually when my event when I was a swimmer was the fifteen hundred, but I also raced the eight hundred. But I was always better at the fifteen hundred because I just held my eight hundred pace for the the 1500 so um i think that's why i can kind of hold that same pace up on the 400s as well got it in fact one of the questions we had i just remembered from uh instagram was this uh what is your 1500 meter swim pb yeah so my best ever time was 16 minutes and 15 seconds uh which was in a short course 25 meter pool um and i think it's still the fifth fastest ever british time um i'll have to check I'd be over the moon to get anywhere near that kind of time now because uh, that is pretty fast. Yeah, it's very hard. I, yeah, because I started life as a swimmer and then became a triathlete, and it's very hard to swim anything like the times that you used to when you were a fast when you were just a pure swimmer. So yeah, yeah. you have to kind of suck that up. Another <laughs> question we've had from Facebook: What's it like to be in front all day? Do you worry about the people coming from behind? Um, I've definitely got used to it. Um, I used to not like it so much because I would constantly probably be overworking because I was like, Oh my God, they're going to be catching me. Um, whereas now I've just got more used to doing my own race, um, riding to my own numbers, looking at my heart rate, focusing on my nutrition, um, and trying to forget that there's even other people there. Um, and it definitely does help when we're at the key races like Kona, we'll be getting splits on the bike. So that, can be good and bad. Um, sometimes if the time gap has gone up and you're, you're gaining or you're, you're getting a bigger gap to the other girls, um, I get a real boost and then I kind of, I can feel myself able to push that bit harder. Um, then it can be the opposite when the gap's coming down. You're like, well, I thought I was going well and the gap's closing. So actually sometimes it's just nicer to not know and just do your own race. But um, at a world champs, I guess you're going for the win anyway. So you want to know what those gaps are. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, Billy on Facebook wants to know, what's your FTP? Or is that under, is that like secret? <laughs> um, at the moment, it's around 300 watts, um, which um, is pretty good. I've been doing quite a lot of biking during lockdown. Um, we spent eight whole weeks actually where we only biked indoors um, and we lived in our pain cave. So when there was strict wow. lockdown, me and Reese were actually sleeping in the boxing ring in our gym and doing a lot of swift racing um, and just a lot of indoor biking. So that, that definitely helped push it up a bit. Hang on, back up, back up a bit. What was the sleeping in your sleeping in a boxing ring? 
<laughs> yeah, so we were, we were very committed to our training at the time. And because in the UK, we was only allowed out once per day. Um, yep. And before the whole lockdown happened, we didn't know how strict it was going to be. We didn't know if we were going to be allowed to leave the house. And actually, the pain cave where we train is at Reese's parents' house. So we just decided, you know what, we're just going to move in because it actually puts less risk to Reese's family. We'll just be living in the gym. We won't be coming forward and back from our house to theirs. We did set up our bed in the boxing ring and just lived in the gym for eight weeks. <laughs> That's very cool. I like it. There's our headline for this whole show, I think. <laughs> um, one of the questions we just had come in is, why do you do so much riding indoors? Well, I guess partly because you had to, right, um, during lockdown in the UK. How long, how long was that lockdown? That was a while, wasn't it? It was yeah, eight weeks the- or... Um, lockdown was about eight weeks and then they started to ease it um, a bit more so we could go out for unlimited exercise after that and actually we had amazing weather so we were like we've got to do some riding outside and and make the most of the good weather but normally the weather's really bad here which is one reason why we do a lot of our riding indoors Um, and to begin with I wasn't super confident on the bike coming from a swim background so I used to do a lot of my key workouts on the trainer just to make sure I was getting stronger on the bike um, before I venture outdoors and put myself and other people at risk. Luckily, now I'm much more confident on the bike and I, I can go out and ride outdoors and I'm very happy to do that. And are you able to get out, living in London, are you able to get out relatively easy onto open roads? or? Yeah, yeah. it's probably only about sort of 20 minutes of riding where it's quite busy and then we can get out onto nice, um, quiet country lanes and, and do some good riding. And one of the questions we had was, what's your favorite turbo session? That must come from a Brit. So we'll have to have some US, UK translation here, but turbo slash trainer session. What's your favorite turbo session? Um, I think doing some kind of short FTP style, high intensity intervals. I've always, I think because of my swim background, I do like to do the high intensity style training, but I also quite enjoy doing some big gear workouts as well. So just really cranking the gears and um, going for it. But we also do some crazy long indoor rides when we lead into Kona. So I'll be on the trainer for five or six hours. And Reese will try and make that as interesting as possible by kind of putting intervals into those rides just to keep me engaged with the session. So I'm not just riding at my race power for, for six hours. Whew, that's a long time. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about running? What's One of the questions we had from Instagram was, what's your most difficult run workout? The one that literally has you in tears and requires two days of recovery. That doesn't sound, so, that doesn't sound too friendly. <laughs> yeah, these are normally like my runs leading into Kona where they just right. get disgustingly long and we throw in some hard intervals on there. And usually I'll just do them on the treadmill as well because they're, um, they've got the intervals I need to hit a certain pace. So they'll probably have like 15k or more we sometimes go up to 21k worth of intervals of hard work and I'm running like 36k on the treadmill so they are really brutal um and and yeah I I also find it easier to do it on the treadmill because I can have all my nutrition laid out I haven't got to carry it around outside so um yeah that's definitely the one that I'm always dreading but then I always feel amazing knowing I've got it done and I I know I have to be in amazing shape to do that kind of workout so um yeah you feel good when you've done it yeah and I'm sure some kind of a a big psychological boost from and and confidence boost from doing that and knowing like it's something you've ticked off and you're you're on the way to kind of being Kona prepped yeah a hundred percent and so I guess right now you know we're early August in previous years this would 
kind of start the yeah this would be the start of Kona build right and you would be head down everything's everything's super focused towards October so does it feel weird being in early August and there's no Kona prep or it feels really strange actually I almost feel like a kid who's on their summer holidays because uh, there's no big race to work towards and yeah like you said normally pretty much come end of July, 1st of August, we are head down. Um, we normally would have 70.3 worlds, which I often use as a stepping stone for Kona. So we'd be in the serious business at the moment, training wise. So it does feel really, really strange. But I guess this whole year has just felt so strange. Yeah, for sure. So what would your Kona prep look like ordinarily? If, if you were getting ready for October, what would, that, what would it be looking like right now? Um, so we'd usually fly out to Club de Santa in Lanzarote where I do a lot of my warm weather training and have a great base out there. Um, typically, I can be out there for four to eight weeks just doing those final big days, getting the long miles in on the bike, the long runs. Um, I often do my long runs there on the treadmill in the gym there and they have a great track as well so I can use that. So that's pretty much where I'd base myself and kind of go into real work mode and I switch off from everything else so um it feels weird actually being at home I'm I've been at home so much more than I ever would I'm normally training there traveling there to race I've, I've never spent so much time at home yeah and I guess um and I, I guess Lanzarote must be a good place to prepare for Kona in terms of well there's the heat and there's the wind right that the wind in Lanzarote is do you tend to go out and do a lot of riding uh do you tend to ride outdoors a lot in Lanzarote yeah, I pretty much do all of my riding outdoor, outdoors there. Like you said, it, it is pretty hot during that time of the year and it's always windy. So you've got two of the conditions that Kona offers. And um, the only thing you don't get is the humidity. So, um, but it, it can be super hot. So it, it pretty much does the job. And then I'll go out to Kona probably two weeks before the race, maybe a little bit more just to get used to that final bit of humidity and, and adapt to that. Cool. So just a reminder to everybody at home to send in your questions. Uh, Lucy's doing a great job of answering all your questions. But yeah, she's here for another 40 minutes. So uh, don't be shy. Fire her all your questions, triathlon related. Ask, ask her anything, triathlon related. Um, <laughs> oh, we've been asked to translate the K from your run session that you mentioned. We've been asked to translate the Ks into miles. So 21K is obviously a half marathon, 13.1 miles. 36K is uh, what, 20, 20 plus, 20 miles. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, this is a good question. What do, you need, what do you need to do differently to win in Kona? <laughs> I mean, you came a... so close last year. We all thought you were going to do it. I mean, uh, for, yeah, so for anybody who didn't, not familiar with the race last year, Lucy was leading got passed, came back for a repass in the closing miles and then eventually finished second. So, uh, and it was a nail biter of a race and you showed some like terrific, terrific resilience that not, not many athletes have. Um, so yeah, what do you, you, I guess what are your takeaways from that race and what do you feel you yeah. need to do differently? Obviously, so I've had three second places in Kona and for anyone kind of maybe not in the know or just looking on, they'd be like, oh, she's consistently hit second. So she's stayed at the same level where for me, like year on year, I've had to build on that performance to get second place. So it's been so tough to kind of stay in second place. I'm someone who wants to win that race. So last year, I pretty, I did just go all in. I went hard on the swim. I felt amazing on the bike. I've never felt that good. And 
I think my probably my issue was the last hour on the bike I felt so good that I actually just ramped it up and up and up and I should have just stayed in that comfortable place and that just unfortunately um just played with my run and meant that I didn't have the run that I could have had and definitely leading into Kona last year I, I had the best run legs I'd had so I was disappointed with my run I was I was really happy with the way that I came back but I think the key takeaway was that if I want to bike like that where I ramp it up, I need to practice that in training or just stick to the race plan because I went completely off on my own thing and, and went wild, really. So I guess if Reese had been there at that moment, he would have been saying, what are you doing? Like, go back to the race plan. Um, and who knows? It could have been a different result. It, it could have meant that I finished further back down the field. I don't know. But I think the key thing is I'm still pretty young in the long distance. I'm going to continue to just keep chipping away at the bike and the run. Don't think the swim will get much quicker. It's definitely not near (laughs) as a swimmer. So who knows? I might be able to get a little bit faster on that. But Cam Worth won't be happy about that. (laughs) I'm sure he won't. Um, But yeah, you know what? The swim is not where I'm going to be making the most gains. I've I've got to keep working on that bike. I'm pretty happy with where the bike's at. um, And then I just need to have the run that I know I can have. um, And then it will be a special day in Kona, I'm sure. It will be. Yeah, we're, we're all excited to see that for sure. So tell us the story about Lola, because I remember being in a press conference at Kona last year after the race, and you said that if you won, you were going to get two dogs. If you got second, you were going to get one dog. And third was no dogs. Is that right? So tell us yeah. the story about that and tell us how Lola's doing. <laughs> She's obviously nearly a year old, I guess. So Yeah. So actually, when we was out in Kona, we had established this bet that um, with positions and what dogs I could have um, and then so before the race I had been kind of in my downtime in Kona I'd been looking at dogs and breeders and I'd found Lola and her sister um, so if I won the race I was going to have the both of them um, second I could have one of them and third I wouldn't get any dogs so I'd already picked the dog that I wanted so when I was on the run and I was running back in third and I'd been passed by Sarah Crowley I was like right there's there's no dog right now I need to I need to push uh, and it actually happened Reese was on the Queen K and he was like you can do this just dig in you can you can get back into second um and I just had to dig deep at that point and and hang on and really it wasn't until um after the race and Reese said you can have that dog now that I was like yes <laughs> I've done it so, um yeah, and you know what? We kind of expected to get a dog and then we thought maybe over the winter she would learn that we're her parents and then I'd be lucky enough that my family or Reese's family would happily look after her whilst we went away and raced and trained. But So we pretty much had a whole year nearly um, with Lola and she's definitely learned that we're her parents so we haven't got to worry about that. Um, she's a funny little thing. She can run and run and run. She's got so much energy. So she comes out with us on our easy runs. Um, oh, and it just cool. needs to be during lockdown to have something else to um, keep us occupied and keep our minds busy um, when we haven't got any races. So she's been a really good addition to the family. Yeah, and then... Will there be similar bets in future Konas? Will you be extending the puppy family? I think so. I mean, Reese already wants another dog, so more coming from him now. But um, Lola's obviously a very small dog. He would quite like a big dog, I think. Okay, Robert on Facebook wants to know, what is your must-have gadget or thing you always must have when you train or race? 
Oh, that is a good question. I mean, I'm someone who, as a swimmer, I didn't actually use any data really. I did all of my training on feel. So the first year in triathlon, it was a real learning curve, learning all these different gadgets. Um, but I definitely love when I go out on the bike. Um, I have the Wahoo Roam, so I can actually have a map and go exploring. And I think that's been one of the key things that we've actually used recently is to go and ride in places we've never ridden before. So we can plot a route and then you just follow it on the bike computer. Um, or you can just go out and ride and then route it back to your start point. So um, we've had a lot of fun with that during lockdown. And I think that's probably been my, my key gadget during this time. Very cool. Okay, next question in from Facebook. Will you be at Challenge Daytona in December? Well, yeah, all going well. If the race goes ahead, we hope to be there. It'll be nice to actually get a race under my belt this year. And um, I obviously raced at Challenge Daytona. That was my last race, actually, uh, last year in December. So it would be quite fitting for it to be my first race back after that. And I never would have imagined when I was racing there that that would be my last race for nearly a year. So, um, right. yeah, I hope to be back there if it goes ahead. Yeah. So how have you coped with that without the races, without any races on the calendar and how, yeah, how have you been getting through and, and managing with that? Cause it must be hard. Yeah. I'm definitely someone who does love to race and it's something that fuels my motivation is in training is knowing, okay, I've got this race on this date, but we also just decided to set some kind of different goals. So one was to work on my bike FTP and just see how high I could get that. We also were super lucky to have the Zwift Pro Series. So getting some racing in midweek, throughout the week, racing like the top triathletes, the top female athletes, and not just on the long course, on the short course as well, um, which we don't ever race them. So that was just really nice to do something. And it, it did get super competitive. And you almost treated it like it was a real race. So that, that helped a lot. Yeah, for sure. Gets those um, competitive juices firing. Definitely. Um, what, so another question we just had a comment we just had from Facebook was uh, Luis says he heard you say in an interview with Cam Worth that you'd be going after uh, a place on the Tokyo Olympic team uh, the GB Tokyo Olympic team so is that true and oh yeah was that for open water swimming you were saying is that right uh, yeah so for triathlon they've already picked the team and actually for actually no it's the other way around for swimming they've already picked the athletes or they already have their final four athletes who will go to the trials um for triathlon it's still a bit more open but I am more looking at the Olympics after that which will be in Paris in 2024 that's I want to kind of do Kona win it uh before I before I go and do any of the short course stuff but it's still in the back of my mind you know what as a swimmer I was always going for the Olympics um, and I obviously didn't quite make it so it's something that I probably would go and look at but I I have to win Kona first I've come so close to winning it for sure yeah so Andrea from Argentina says uh, you are an inspiration to her and her girls no question but she just wanted to let you know what an inspiration you are so there <laughs> you go do you have another question that we had in from social media this week was do you have any tips for recovery or rest or do you just try to make the most of your time when you're not training um so actually during lockdown I have done a bit more yoga I'd never really done it before and I'd always heard about the benefits of it so I've been doing that which I found has benefited me quite a lot but I also use a lot of different recovery tools. So I use something called a Ferragun, which is basically mm -hmm. like a self-massage tool. Um, I use that pre-workout for key workouts and use it after 
most bike and run sessions and I found that really helps as well particularly during lockdown when I couldn't get to a physio it made a massive difference but kind of on from that if you can get a weekly massage I know obviously there's a cost attached to it it just keeps your body in such a better state to keep training and, and keep those injuries at bay yes for sure Oh, so we are almost halfway through the show and everybody at home wants to see your puppy again. That's what, that's what the people are telling us. <laughs> Lola! So yeah, Lucy, you are the star of the show, but actually so's Lola. <laughs> I'll go and get her. I'll, go, I'll be back. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so while Lucy has gone to get Lola, again, please keep hitting us with your questions. Uh, there, there's a ton of fun questions coming in, but uh, it can be serious stuff. It can be training. It can be performance. It can be nutrition. It can be recovery, whatever you want to know. But um, yeah, hopefully Lucy will be back with Lola very soon. Here you go. <laughs> Here she is. Hey, Lola. Oh, Hello. yes. <laughs> She's not all that keen on the camera, I don't think. Oh. Hey, so one of the questions we had for you, Lucy, was what's your favorite post-race snack? But I was going to ask the same to Lola. <laughs> what's her go-to Lola, post-workout snack? Lola's favorite treat is definitely cheese, but I think that's most dogs' favorite treat. Um, she'll just beg for that all day long. We've tried to teach her to not beg for food, but cheese, we have no hope. Uh, and my favorite food post race is definitely pizza which I always find quite strange because the last thing I normally eat before a race is pizza but then I always am craving that after um but then also I I quite crave like fresh fruit after a race because normally I cut out fiber for about three days before the race so mm -hmm. I'm just craving like some vitamins and some freshness to get back in my body for sure yeah uh, Andrea wants to know what do you like to do to take your mind off of training and racing um, I, I mean, Lola's been a great thing for that because I always was someone who liked to go. We live near an amazing forest. So I used to just like to go and walk in there. But it's so much more fun when you have a dog uh, to walk with. Um, so that's kind of one of my key things. I also just love to binge watch on Netflix rubbish TV. So um, I find that helps to take my mind off of training. Now you've got to tell us what the last show was that you watched. Oh, we watched something called White Lines, um, oh. which I don't know if that's available in the US, but it was pretty good um, about a girl whose brother had died in Ibiza and it was like a murder mystery type thing. Um, yeah, so definitely would recommend that. Very cool. Oh, okay. So going back to your pizza, we had a question from somebody who says, I saw you ordering a pizza before Ironman South Africa. Clocked. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you follow a strict nutritional program? Are you a fats or carbs believer or both? Um, yeah, so I'm actually super lucky here in the UK that there's a company called Fresh Fitness Food and they actually deliver my meals daily. Um, so I have used to not eat really, really well because they've calculated my daily amount of calories that I burn and make sure that I replace them with just really healthy, nutritious meals. Um, so yeah, I am someone who does eat a really healthy, balanced diet, but I'm also someone who will allow myself a treat. Um, once I've eaten everything good, if I'm still hungry, I can have a treat, uh, particularly when I'm putting in tons and tons of hours of training. Yeah, for sure. When you've done that 36K session on the treadmill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have days where you just don't want to train and how do you stay motivated? 
Yeah, definitely. And I think during lockdown, that was more so than normal. Um, I kind of went through waves where one day I'd be super motivated and be like, right, okay, I'm going to nail these sessions. But I think I probably would do too much on those days. Um, and then the next day I was like, oh, I just, you know, what? I'm, I haven't got any energy. I'm just not motivated. What am I training for? Um, and it did become difficult. Um, so that's why then we kind of sat back and we were like, we need to make more goals that aren't race specific so that we will kind of want to see this progress in training and um, so yeah I think it's normal to have days like that particularly when you're just super fatigued it can be easy to just want to have a day off yeah and what what is it that gets you through what is it that gets you to put your, your gear on and, and get the session ticked off is there a particular thought is there a particular you know person is there what is there I mean, for me, coming second at the World Champs three times is enough motivation to get out the door and go for that run or that ride. Um, but yeah, normally I just think, you know what, I've been working to achieve whatever it is um, and let's just go and get this session done. And I always always feel better for getting it done. So um, it is always worth trying at least. Um, even if you don't feel great, you'll probably feel better after. And this question must have come in from a Brit. It's similar, but... Uh... Do you ever wake up in the morning and think balls to training today and just chill out? Um, it kind of depends on what I did the day before. Normally, um, if I've had a massive day, we'll have a fairly loose day the following day. It may just be an easy swim or a light strength session. So um, normally I, I don't do nothing because I actually feel worse for it. But we would have kind of tried to factor in that I may feel like that at certain points and make sure that you can look at the training plan and go you know what it's super manageable I'll do it but maybe I'll I'll wait till the afternoon to get it done so does Reese does he write all your training plan yeah we, and- we pretty much write it together he does the backbone of it and then I'll sort of say actually could we tweak it for this and and yeah it comes from both of us I think obviously Reese is the coach, but I've been an athlete for a good number of years now. So I, I know what works for me as well and can always debate what we should be doing, which is good fun. Yeah. So you can sort of jump in and say, no, 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 I think we should do this session then and move things around and kind of debate it. Yeah. Um, and do you coach people as well or, it's, or is it just Reese yeah, that's... So- uh, I've always coached a few athletes, never a huge amount. I've had some that have been super successful, like winning their age group in Kona. Um, and then I don't know if anyone knows, but I recently have launched a race team that will race in Challenge Roth next year. So I'm now coaching 10 new athletes that literally just started this week. Um, and I will coach them for 11 months to Challenge Roth next year. Um and hope that they all have a great race there. So I've always been someone who has enjoyed coaching. And actually, before I went pro in triathlon, Reese and I had a personal training business. So we were doing that full time before we said, you know what, I think we should take a chance and, and go pro. So we and we found it super difficult because we just loved all of the clients that we worked with. But we were lucky that they were really passionate about us as well. And we're like, you've got to go in and give this a try. And if it doesn't work out, we'll always be here to come back and, and train with you. So um, it is something I love doing. And kind of up until now, I haven't really had the chance to do it. But now I have a really great team around me to make sure things get done. And I can still do my job as an athlete, but also coach athletes as well. And what's your favourite part of coaching athletes and what's your least favourite part? 
my favorite part is definitely just seeing them progress and when they set goals and we work towards them and they're able to hit them seeing how happy they are and knowing that it worked what they did um it's just so great to see and the hardest part is definitely when things don't go right and for whatever reason they end up with an injury and it's no fault of their own it's no real fault of the program it's just bad luck at times and um that's super super hard because then you just know that obviously they've got to have the rest um and then rebuild again but often they rebuild much far faster than they thought they would anyway Mm -hmm. so then it's good to see that progress back up to where they were yeah for sure um aj says you're an inspiration and it's great to watch you race i love it what advice can you give on how to cover lost swim training due to lockdown i mean that's a popular question everybody (laughs) everybody's struggling getting back into the swim yeah i think um obviously there's a few things you can do when you can't get to the pool such as doing core strength strength training shoulder stability work just those small things that don't feel like much, but actually when you get back in the pool will make a big difference. And obviously if you're still biking and running, you're going to have a good engine. It's just when you get back in the pool, you probably feel like a piece of jelly, but it it doesn't take too long to get it back when you get back in the pool. But I would suggest not going from like zero to a hundred. So if you haven't swam for a while, um, you're probably going to end up with all sorts of niggles if you end up swimming every single day. So it's still worth, doing a gradual build like you would on bike and run even though swim is a bit gentler on the body and you still can get problems if you go too quickly and do too much yeah which leads us nicely into a question that we had from uh, instagram earlier in the week which was have you ever had a significant injury Um, you always seem ready to train and race what's the key what's the balance Yeah, so I'm someone who did have a major injury really early on. I actually had a stress fracture in my first year as a pro. So in 2016, um, I started to get a pain in my lower shin and was like, it doesn't feel great, but I'm not super experienced. Um, And it was diagnosed as shin splints. I was told to have a bit of a rest, which I didn't really take because I, I don't know if people know that actually when I applied to be pro, I got my license rejected, then it got appealed. Um, So I was kind of on a trial basis for this pro license. So I knew I had to race to prove I could keep the license. So I actually did a full distance and a half distance before the pain just got so horrifically bad that we went and scanned the leg and they said, actually, if you run one more race on it, you're going to snap your tibia bone um, because they're going all the way through it. So Um, it was a very steep learning curve early on and it probably came at the best time because I was like you know what I've got to listen to my body and I've got to be smarter to stop these kind of injuries happening and um, again like I'm someone I do get niggles quite often because what we're putting our bodies through is a hell of a lot of volume and, and stress on the body so it's just managing those niggles a niggle can be fine but when it turns into a full-blown injury and means you're out then it's a problem so just managing that recovery getting your physio um foam rolling stretching doing all those kind of things can keep these things at bay yeah and so tell us a little bit about the your pro license and getting that rejected that was from the btf i take it Yeah, so um, the key thing that was said actually, so I'd obviously won my age group at the Worlds uh, in Kona and the 70.3 Worlds. um, 
And for me, I needed something bigger now to motivate me to train. So I was like, I, I really would like to go pro because I'd like to be in the deep end. I'd like to be motivated and kind of be out of my comfort zone a little bit. So I applied for the license and our kind of standard in the UK is that you have to be within 8% of the winner of the race that you're using. Um, and my two best performances were at the Worlds. Um, and both of those races had been won by Daniela Reef, who actually not many of the pro women were within 8% of her time. <laughs> um, so that's why I appealed it and kind of said, you know what, I'm using a world champ. So maybe the standard should be a bit more of a percentage at world champs because the level is so much higher. Um, and I did have an email that I saved on my computer for a long time where the actual words in the email were, you'll never come close to Daniela Reef." Um, and I think it's probably stuck with me because I was like, right, well, I'm going to prove a point that I can be as good as her and one day I will beat her. Um, so it's definitely been a bit of fire in the belly for sure. Um, and since then, obviously I had the stress fracture, but I'd done enough in those two pro races that I got to do that year, even with the injury, uh, to keep my license, thankfully. Um, and I don't think that work, that person who sent that email actually works for the BTF anymore. So since then, <laughs> I've had a, had a much better relationship with them. Um, so yeah, just want to clear that's that good. up. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. That's one of those ones that you can frame, you know, like yeah. <laughs> in the results. Um, Jennifer wants to know, Jennifer on Facebook wants to know, do you have a go-to motivational quote when you hit those dark spots in training or racing? Um, I mean, I don't know if it's motivational, but my dad always would say death before DNF. Um, <laughs> and he's someone who has run a marathon and he has all sorts of pains when he runs, but whenever he enters an event, he is going to finish it. So I guess I'm a bit like that with, with a race and with a workout. It's like, you know what? I know I can get to the end of this, uh, no matter how much it's hurting. So yeah, it's a bit of a funny one, but that's normally what I do. <laughs> And does your mind wander during a race or are you concentrating the whole time? Because an Ironman is a long time to concentrate. You know, do you have brain shakes or do you have like times where you let yourself lose focus and then refocus? Um, yeah, I, my mind definitely wanders. It's hard to not let it. And when me and Reese were kind of doing our early races, maybe even some of our races now that we both do together, I'll be like, oh my God, did you see that dog? Or did you see this out on the course? And he's like, how did you even have time to, to look at that? Um, and also actually in Kona, I remember one of the aid stations was playing a song and like the small amount of lyrics that it was, was just stuck in my head for most of the race. And I remember kind of singing along to it um, towards the end of the bike. So yeah, I, I definitely let my mind wander for sure. <laughs> do you have, so Ronald on Facebook says, do you have a favorite recovery type of workout that you prefer, whether it's swimming, biking or running? Yeah. So like the day after Kona, for example, the day after a big race, what's, what's your, what's your kind of go-to recovery look like? Um, I always get back in the pool. I always feel better for swimming. And I think because of my background in there, um, I just always, my body just feels better when I'm in the water and I've done a swim. So even the day after Kona, I like to sort of do, even if it's just a, a 15, 20 minute swim, just to get the blood flowing. I always feel better for moving. So, um, there's absolutely nothing crazy in it. It'll just be super slow, super easy. No, I always feel yeah. better. Getting the blood moving, the body moving. Yeah. Okay. We have about 15 minutes left. So if you're at home and you've still got a question that you want to ask Lucy, don't be shy, type it into Facebook and we will get it to her. But, uh, so Jerka on Facebook says, if someone is stagnating, how can they get faster? 
I mean, often it's trying to reinvent the way that they're training. Maybe if they've been doing the same thing year in, year out, they probably need to change things up, switch it up a bit, um, maybe find some new training partners to get a new lease of life into their training. I often find if you've been training solo, uh, if you can find a few people to train with just to have even if someone's just then talking when you're running it can just be something else so yep. um it just means that you do need to switch it up maybe you've been doing a lot of um easy miles you need to throw in some high intensity stuff maybe go down the track so that it's a different frame of mind I often mm-hmm. find when I go to the track I'm really like head in the zone this is going to be a key session um or yeah just go maybe and try a different gym or a different pool if, if you can just to give you something new. Yep. So it seems like we've got a lot of uh, different race directors who are asking if you're going to go do their races. So we, we can't possibly answer, answer all their questions. But one good question is, um, you've raced Ironman South Africa, Africa a few times, and you've obviously won there a few times. Um, why do you like that race so much? Uh, I just, you know what, I love the place. I love the race. I love the people there. I love the amount of passion that is in that town. Um, you see them setting up their pitches days before the race so that they have the spot where they're going to stand and support you on the run course. So there's often few races where the whole run course has spectators. Um, I don't really mind the bike when you haven't got people there all the time, but to have them there on the run makes such a big difference. So it's almost felt like a second home in Port Elizabeth. And I've raced there two times in the Ironman and also the 70.3 world. So it's somewhere that I just love to go and race. Yeah, and you've won both those Ironman races too, right? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Oh, so this is a good question. What would you want to do post-pro triathlon racing and, and after winning the Paris Olympics? <laughs> I like this question. Um, <laughs> I've always actually been someone who um, they probably would have seen we went on a little bit of a training holiday recently down to the south coast in the UK, a place called Cornwall. Um, I think like I'd love to build my dream home down there from scratch and then be I would always do a bit of swim bike and run but I've always been someone who wanted to do a bit of surfing so I'd probably try and learn to surf properly you know what as soon as you said Cornwall I'm from Swindon so as soon as you said Cornwall I was like I bet she's gonna say surfing so there you go (laughs) that would be very cool um have you ever considered taking part in an extreme race like Norseman or Patagon Man you know what I've had yeah, I hadn't before because I'm someone who does not enjoy the cold, but actually where I've spent most of the summer training in the UK and getting used to swimming in cold sea and cycling in the rain. And I think one day I'll probably would like to do it. And we, we, since we've had no racing, I would do any race right now. reason <laughs> I did sort of say it would be really cool to do one of those races each where we are each other's support crew. Um, and make it a real adventure in that sense. So one day we definitely will do that. So you just mentioned about the British weather there. So I've got to ask, because obviously the Brownies mentioned it a ton in their interviews. Do you think racing, do you think training in the British weather, especially in the winter, do you think that makes you harder when it comes to sucking up whatever triathlon gives you? Yeah, definitely. I think, I, I think that is why you see so much talent in the British athletes because we're just so used to gritting our teeth and getting out there and getting stuck in no matter what the weather. Um, and it, it is tough, but then when you go to race and you're in these beautiful locations with great weather, um, you're like, well, this is easy. I've been cycling in the wind, the wet and being freezing cold. So um, yeah, we're pretty tough in the UK. 
<laughs> Agreed. Oh, so virtual racing. We had Meredith Kessler on a few a few months ago when virtual racing was just kind of kicking off in the height of lockdown, and she had a lot to say about it. But um, how have you found it? How's virtual racing been for you? Yeah, it's always been something I've done a small amount of. Like when we had uh, the Zwift National Champs, I would give it a go and see how I got on. And um, yeah, I've always enjoyed it. I've always never taken it too seriously. Um, I've always just used it as to get a great workout. I know I, normally the races um, are about an hour long, some are longer, but you know you're going to work solid for an hour and often you end up with a new FTP score at the end of it. So they are great for that. Um, there's definitely some small kind of techie things that maybe need to be um, sort of outlined a little bit better. I mean, there's talk of there being e-racing in the Olympics in the future, which mm -hmm. I think would be really cool to see. But there's definitely, obviously, discrepancies on different people's power meters. And they're getting us to weigh in and send videos, which I think is a big step forward because there's a lot of people on Zwift who, and I don't think these are pro athletes, but people who just set their weight super low um, so that they fly around. But actually, these things... Um, yeah if they could outline those then it will be even more fair and even more fun for sure yeah uh which workout is beneficial to you to keep your confidence up short workouts oh sorry which style of workout do you prefer short workouts every day or longer workouts um i think it's a real mix for confidence boost like we actually did a super long ride last weekend i think it was my second longest ride ever and it's kind of those things just to remind yourself that you can do that and you can go way above the distance that you race and you can feel fine. Um, but then also, like, I love to go down the track and do some 1K reps and see how fast I can go and get a real confidence boost from that. So I don't think it necessarily matters if you're doing short or long, um, as long as you can take away something positive from it. Yeah, I'm sure it, it, it varies athlete to athlete. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So this is so. This is a fun question uh, from an American viewer who says, "Has Lucy ever met Charles Barkley?" He, for those in the UK, <laughs> he's a famous basketball player here. Um, <laughs> but and whenever we've put your last name, you know, in the magazine, a lot of Americans, Charles Barkley, the basketball player, no. But so um, yeah, Glenn wants to know: Have you ever met Charles Barkley? No, I, I've never met him. And it wasn't until obviously um, we started sort of using Team Charles Barclay. And then when Reese and I got married, obviously my surname became Charles Barclay. And a lot of people were mentioning about the basketball player. Um, and then actually just before lockdown, we watched the Michael Jordan documentary. And um, obviously Charles Barclay is in that. So, yeah, I think it would be pretty cool to meet him. Um, maybe we can convince him to do a triathlon. Who knows? Um, but, Yeah. <laughs> You could shoot hoops with him and then he'd have to come do an Ironman with you. Sounds, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> okay, talking of Ironman racing, in a typical, this is a question we had earlier in the week from Social. Um, in a typical year, Ironman racing, do you think it lacks competition throughout the year? Uh, or, and do you think it's just when, when it's Kona, when you have obviously all the big names face each other, there's obviously a ton of competition. But throughout the rest of the year, somebody asked, do you think it, there's a lack of competition? Um, I think 
definitely not of recently um you go to um, i'm actually someone who loves to go to the big races so i usually would go to um like the african champs or the european champs i would pick one of the big um continental championship races and you can't shy away from big competition at those races and any of the major races like challenge roth is going to bring out the best names in the sport so um if you go to those kind of races you're always going to have big competition and great races um but I think the kind of strength and depth of the field has become so much bigger over the last few years. And it has been for a while, but certainly since I've come into triathlon, I've just seen the female field get stronger and stronger. So even if you're trying to avoid racing um, the good athletes and the top people, it's very difficult to do that now. Um, so no, I don't think that they ever really lack that kind of um great competition and, and serious races yeah and how do you decide which races you're going to do in a season when you're when you're looking at planning ahead um it's usually obviously um the last few years I've been fortunate from my position in Kona that I've only had to validate um that being said I'm not someone who turns up to a race just to finish I always want to be at the pointy end of the race so we often are planning our season always around Kona and making sure that I validate fairly early so we get that out of the way um, and then we can pick maybe another race in the middle that is just a race that we know and love. Um, we're definitely people who, once we find a race that we like, we do like to just go back to it. Um, another way that we pick a race is obviously like a destination race. If there's somewhere that we've always wanted to go, then we'd probably put that in the calendar. <laughs> uh, Andrea wants to know, do you enjoy watching the age group athletes after your races? Yeah, you know what? I always love trying to, if I feel well enough, which um, in recent years has been more so that I actually feel like I can go and see those final finishes. When I was doing my first Ironmans, like I always wanted to go and see those final finishes race, but I was always like in bed, couldn't move. Um, luckily, sort of in, in recent years, I felt a lot better and I do love to go out and and cheer them on and actually in Roth last year I felt um pretty good so I went back and was giving out medals to the finishers in the race and some of them were so like not with it that they didn't even realize I was giving them their medal um and it maybe took them a minute or so to be like oh my god you're giving me my medal so um yeah I always love seeing them and I think that's always the great thing with triathlon is there's so much respect from age grouper to pro because it doesn't matter who you are to finish that Ironman distance just takes so much work. So there is just yep. a ton of respect there. Yeah. So just a reminder to everybody at home, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, so fire us with your final questions for Lucy. I think Reese just brought you a glass of wine. So if you want to grab yeah, that, might. then. Yeah. Well, it might be a gin and tonic actually. <laughs> oh, nice. Very good. There you go. That's a good coach. <laughs> um okay so some fun ones to finish up what's the most embarrassing mistake you've made in a race oh um I know quite early on I don't think it was in a race but it was in like a a final maybe tester session with our triathlon club and we were doing um a bike run bike run so we would do the transition multiple times and I actually did the whole run with my helmet on and didn't even realize um so <laughs> that was quite embarrassing but other than that I think I've been fairly fortunate to not do anything too silly yeah don't do that in Kona no <laughs> be a bit hot <laughs> uh, Robert on Facebook wants to know which race do you look back on most fondly 
or I think probably challenge Roth last year because I'd come so close to winning it the year before um, that for a whole year I just wanted to win that race and to go and do it uh, just meant so much. Yeah, I'm sure. And which which Kona do you uh, look back on most fondly? What's your favourite Kona of the Konas you've raced? Um, probably the first one in 2017 where I finished second and was a real unknown and it was unknown to myself that I could even do that. So um, that's the most kind of emotion I felt on the finish line of the three was was to just come second so unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, how do you cope with illness? How do you know when to stop and start training again? So I'm someone who's quite fortunate, touch wood, that um, I only really seem to get ill um, in the winter time when I'm having a bit of an off season. And I think that's because my body just goes, oh, like I can have a rest, I can be sick. Um, and then um, I don't tend to get unwell when I'm actually in quite heavy training, which I guess is pretty good. But I guess that comes down to having a pretty good diet. Um, but if I do get unwell, then I do try and do the smart thing and just take the day off to begin with, see if that helps, take another day off if necessary, but, um, or just really draw back my training. So I'm only really working like zone one or zone two and not putting too much stress on my body. Okay. Will you ever attempt, this is a good question from Facebook. Will you ever attempt something totally different, like a channel swim or free diving? (sighs) Um, I don't or is think there anything I... that appeals to you like that, you know, that's completely out there? I think uh, one day I'd like to do some kind of ultra run like Comrades or something like that. I've got a good friend who does it and he's kind of sold it to me. And I said, you know what, I, I will not do it whilst I'm doing my triathlon career because it will probably break me. Uh, but I would like to do something like that after triathlon. Awesome. Lucy, that's about all we've got time for today. And I want you to make sure that you get uh, your gin and tonic. So uh, (laughs) we're going to say goodbye, but we hugely appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and enjoy the rest of your evening over in London. And uh, good luck for when you return to racing. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Good job. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Lucy. That was great. I know that was a lot of questions. Oh, that's (laughs) but they were they were coming in so fast everybody was like pretty stoked to be able to ask you questions i think so we will put this up on our website and i'll send the link to your email so you can share it and all the rest of it excellent oh well thank you very much no you're welcome good luck with the rest of the year oh thank you yeah fingers crossed we'll get a race uh i don't normally daytona in the the week but since you haven't got any races why not (laughs) exactly you know it's lockdown that's lockdown for you yeah definitely cool well thank you very much you're a superstar cheers take care thank you lucy for joining us and thank you all for listening stay tuned to our social channels for news and updates on our next live show where you can get your questions answered okay we'll be back in early september we'll see you then